Hello and welcome to Dunktown, the podcast where we learn about basketball one game at a time. I'm Anastasia. And I'm Agata. And today we have an extra special guest. Uh, she is an NBA fan and a writer. She's recently come from the Sundance Screenwriter Lab. It's Adrian Rush. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're Thank so you. excited to have you. Yay. This is my first ever podcast. So oh. It feels very right. God, it is such an honor to have someone on their first ever podcast. That's true. I remember my first podcast. Oh, it was when you were five. <laughs> yeah, when I was just a little babe. <laughs> just waddling around the living room. <laughs> um, yeah, you you are a big NBA fan. Yes. How, have you been an NBA fan your whole life? Uh, yeah, mostly. I, it's very strange. I come from a family that not only is not into sports at all, but is, is actively anti-sports. Wow. Um, everyone in my immediate family, my parents, and my sister have, uh, just absolutely no interest in it. And, uh, so it, it was something that I really had to sort of nurture myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and to their credit, they were always, uh, supportive enough of it. I remember being pretty little actually looking back on it now like I think like fifth grade 10 11 yeah and my dad would drop me off at um uh the metro stop so I could take the metro into DC to watch the Wizards play or the Mystics their WNBA counterpart no one ever wanted to come with me um so I was uh dropped off and told (laughs) okay we'll meet you back here you know at such such a time (laughs) what Um, you just went into DC uh you are from Virginia I'm from Virginia northern Virginia you went into DC you're Mm -hmm. 10 years old Mm mm-hmm you maybe have a little backpack, I imagine. <laughs> I, I think I definitely did, yeah. yeah. You go onto the Metro, ride it into DC, mm-hmm. go give your ticket at the gate, mm-hmm. go into the arena. Did anyone say like, hey, little kid, what are you doing here by yourself? No one ever did. And what's weird is it didn't occur to me at that age, like, holy shit, I can't believe my parents are letting me do this. It was more just like, it was like, oh, yeah, well, okay. I, you know, it's a bit of a bummer that no one wants to <laughs> join in with me. But um, and I should say that the uh, this the metro station was directly or is directly underneath what was the Verizon Center oh. um, or maybe is now the Verizon Center. I forget what it used to be called when I was little, but um, so you so didn't you, have to walk anywhere exactly yeah. you would just come out of the metro literally take the steps up and then you were in you were in the arena oh that's amazing um so it, it, it i didn't have to sort of navigate anything or switch lines wow. or walk multiple city blocks that's, or anything that's like that, cool but my parents put me on a plane once when i was like seven by myself oh that's pretty scary yeah yeah and it i ended up needing to have emergency surgery when i got to the other end oh my god what uh, happened um i had appendicitis so they had sent me on a plane to Poland to see my family, and uh, they were like, yeah, what can happen? We'll put her on the plane, someone will pick her up on the other end, she'll be fine. But then when I, like, I woke up in the middle of the night when I was there and just, like, screaming as a child. And That's my mom, terrifying. I know, my mom had to, like, fly over in an, emer- like, overnight you know nightmare wow so they never let you do anything else alone (laughs) for the rest of your childhood yes i still live with them and i still ask (laughs) for permission (laughs) to go anywhere yeah yeah (laughs) wow that is so cool so how did you get into basketball if your family wasn't into it um i started playing in third grade so i was eight um i 
I think it was sort of, you know, you can pick any sport you want. Um, I picked basketball, instantly fell in love with it, uh, played the rest of elementary school and then played uh, like AAU ball in middle school. And and I should say, like, for as much as my, as my parents are not at all into sports, they don't watch sports, they don't follow sports, they just really don't care. They were, you know, my mom drove me to and from every practice, yeah. every game. She was in the stands for every game. Um, but it's funny, I have very vivid memories of her driving me home after games. And I... I wasn't am uh, much too competitive for my own good. And so I, after a loss, would be particularly heated. Mm. Um, and so I have really strong memories of being in the backseat, her driving me home after a game. I'd be like bright tomato red face <laughs> after the game, just absolutely furious and like ranting about, you know, a blown call or mm-hmm. something that you know the other player did. And she was just absolutely mystified. Like I remember <laughs> she would say, this is just such a colossal waste of energy and mm. passion mm. and she, she could not conceive of it of anything but you know this is just a game right so why would you care like the game is already over what happened happened um so she and and my mom is very very loving and nurturing and 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 affectionate and that was just and sports was the one thing where she just like could not go there with me because she just simply couldn't understand it yeah she just i remember once for um for my birthday, it was the only time my family came with me to a sporting event. It was a Washington Mystics game. Um, and it was a super close game. And I think it went to overtime. And then we like lost by one point, buzzer beat or something like that. And I was just devastated. And my the whole rest of my family kind of just was like, oh, okay, like game's over, you know, got their stuff, got ready to leave. There's just, <laughs> there's no emotional investment. And I think, I think they can sort of appreciate the skill and the finesse yeah. and the speed and everything that it takes to to be truly excellent at the game but but from such an emotional distance that they just simply can't like the second the game's over they're just they're they're done they're over it right so that's really where I have felt very very much a part of my family not just how much I love sports and basketball but how how I a game can live with me for years mm-hmm. and years and uh, they just they they don't understand it what are they into? <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good question. Well, so the other sort of wrinkle to uh, to how I became an or basketball fan in general is that um, I, I was raised in, in somewhat of a strange household where both of my parents at the time belonged to a pretty, uh, let's say, batshit political organization that can be a, a little bit culty wow. um so some people might call it a cult mm-hmm. um and and one of the sort of main tenets of this organization is that they really really look down their nose at pop culture in general oh wow um, including sports definitely including sports but all pop culture they think that it panders to the lowest common de- denominator of humanity and and it doesn't add anything particularly artful or beautiful or you mm-hmm. know etc um so because of that my sister and i were raised with absolutely no no tv no movies um no popular music we were only allowed to listen to classical music um wow so i could not educate myself when it came to basketball growing up by watching games right Mm -hmm. um so what was i actually had a very strange entry point so i started playing in third grade Mm -hmm. loved the game but was only learning it sort of as like an eight nine year old playing it and then when i was in middle school i i won in a school raffle one of those tiny little like grapefruit size like plastic black and white tvs oh yeah remember those Uh like the huge rabbit ears Mm -hmm. the screen was literally like this this big probably like three by three inches or something but I won it in a raffle and then brought it home didn't tell my parents and just sort of kept it hidden in my closet in my room and it got I want to say maybe four channels if that maybe three 
And one of them was what used to be UPN, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. And now I get uh, then WB and then I guess CW now. And on weekends, that, for whatever reason, was like the regional carrier for ACC basketball games. Oh, amazing. So I started watching every ACC basketball game that aired um, and I got really obsessive about it, which is, which is the only reason why I have such a strong connection to ACC basketball. So like the Maryland National Championship team from, I don't even know how old I was, but like <laughs> I could still name you like, like every bench player on that team just because that that was sort of when I was really falling in love with the sport but it felt so clandestine because I was watching it on this tiny little hidden TV um, so that's that's sort of start how I started teaching myself really about like the culture yeah. of basketball but even that I mean college is still just such a different world from NBA yeah, yeah. Um, what team do you follow now? I am a very new Los Angeles Clippers fan. Um, the Clop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, I, I grew up uh, a Washington Wizards fan and uh, went to their games and have always rooted for them and still will always have a soft spot for them. But yeah. um, like, Did you see Jordan when he was a wizard or is that too old? Are you like too young to have seen him? No, he he did play on the team when when I <laughs> was alive and watching them, but I I never got to see him play live. No, oh, wow. no, which part of me is bummed that I never got to see him play live, and mm-hmm. I could have, but also. I'm kind of glad that I never got to yeah. see him play as a Washington Wizard because that's just so painful. Yeah, yeah. it's not like the same as no. seeing him yeah. in his like heyday with the Bulls. And yeah, right. such a such a different thing. Yeah. yeah. Do yeah. you go to a lot of Clippers games? I've been to a handful of them, um, and I've and I've had a blast. It's is yeah. a great it's a great arena, and the team right now is just so much fun to root for. It's like a really fun totally. mix of. Um, veterans like Pat Bev that just play so hard that are so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And then they have, I love watching Shea play and I, I think they're going to be really, really good the next couple of years. Yeah. Me too. I'm agree. excited to see them yeah. really blossom. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be interesting also to see who they pick up uh, over, you know, in the off season. Yeah. And what, you know, what how that's that down. It, yeah. yeah. Cause it, it'll probably, in, it's inevitable that it'll change the team, but it also, oh, you know, if if they keep core guys and are able to pick up some big players, like that would be really cool. That would be amazing. And I think I think they definitely will because it's such I mean, they're at the intersection of so many attractive things to a free agent right now between it's it's Los Angeles. They have max money to offer. Mm-hmm. They have sort of this young core. They have Doc Rivers. Um I, I really want them to land Kawhi because I think he's just the perfect player, not just for this team, but like to fit sort of like the Laker or sorry, 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 sorry <laughs> the Clippers, the Clippers franchise. He's yeah. not, he's not a Laker at heart. I no, think, which I can't is, imagine him on the Lakers. I really can't either. Didn't he say something to that effect? Like not wanting to play. Maybe it was when people kept asking if he would play with LeBron or whatever, but yeah, I can't. I, I'm used to Kawhi just never saying anything yeah, at all. So true. if I ever hear this that he has said something, my automatic instinct is: Did someone close to him say that? Or yeah, it probably was it? not him yeah. saying anything about this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Gabe, producer Gabe, with the drops there. Also, really quick, yeah. extremely impressive um, opening theme song. By the way, oh, oh, I don't you. know if you guys wrote that, Thank but that was you. really, really good. It's our friend Andrew Clotworthy he made it for us. He's he's the best. He's wow. so good. It's it's pretty fantastic. We we Thank literally you. just said to him, 
we want it to be feminine and fun and that's what he gave yeah us. we gave him very little direction we just well he had he made the song for our other podcast that i was telling you about called trends with benefits that i do with gabe and our friend july um and he made a it's a it's a podcast about trends and he made a very fun song where he was referencing like trends that were popular at that moment and then like four years later it's like very very outdated references but still a great song and, and fun to listen to. It reminds you of a very particular time. Where you're like, okay. Oh, that was summer. Yeah, you know, exactly. And then 2014 or whatever. It's like we just knew it was going to be like we knew we could just let him yeah. artistically take it away. What, yeah. Do what he, he wanted. Nailed it. nailed it. Knocked it out of the park. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. We should um, have him press some vinyl with that, <laughs> with that song on it. Limited edition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll send it to all our past guests. You yeah. get a copy. <laughs> so do you play basketball still? I do, yeah. I play in the uh, LA Women's Municipal League. Um, so cool. Oh, that's fun. What team are you on? I'm on the Leases. Oh, okay. Which uh, has gone through several evolutions in the last few years. Um, it's actually, it's funny because I, uh, I moved to LA about three three and a half years ago now didn't really know anyone at all here all my family and friends are on the east coast and uh met someone the night that i moved here who was like oh basketball because we had started talking about nba and when she asked if i played she said oh you should meet my friends etc introduced me to women on the leases i joined the team so they were that basketball team was actually the very first group of people in los angeles that i met and then became Amazing. close with and became good friends with so they were sort of my entree like into los angeles in general and sort of the new chapter into my life so, i love that so yeah it's interesting because like um beings i i wasn't really into sports um most of my life i played volleyball in high school but i was like goofy about it i wasn't serious <laughs> about it um but since we started this podcast we when you can talk about nba it's like an immediate connection with someone mm -hmm. especially if it's another woman i feel yes. like it's so rare to meet other women that are following the nba or sports in general and I think a lot of women also kind of like hide that aspect of themselves. Yeah, I know what you mean. And yeah. so once you, it seems like this is not only just like this instant connection between people where you're like, oh, this is something we can both talk about. And like, this is going to bond us together in either a minor way or a major way, whatever. Mm -hmm. But when it's two women, it seems like, oh, this is cool. Like, okay, we're, you know, it's almost like finding like a secret <laughs> yeah totally almost like a secret club a secret like, wait, club. Exactly. yeah yeah um so that's so cool that that's like you know moving here which must have been pretty scary in some ways it was it was yeah and then sure. you know you've kind of found your crew yeah, uh, no, and they've and they've been amazing. I mean, I think I don't know if you guys are familiar with the league, but from, we actually went and watched a game. Oh, cool. a long time ago, yeah. maybe two years ago. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, from from what I gather, I think most people in the league, or at least when it first started, most women in the league were in the industry to some degree or another. It seems like mostly comedians, and the the league has definitely expanded very very quickly. Mm -hmm. Whenever I joined it, I think there was just a maybe a division or two and now there's four divisions and and so cool. hopefully soon to be more wow. um but it's definitely attracting a, a lot of a lot of women and so it went from 
being a, a pretty uh, like this, the skill level was was pretty balanced. Um, and now th- I watch some of the upper division games, and it's really clear that those women played like D one. Yeah. Wow. Um, so there's it's and it's it's really really cool to watch. I I just think there should be more of it, more, more women in sports in general. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Um. How are how often do you play, and like what's what's the sort of commitment? like for that um we play we have two seasons a year so there's sort of the spring season and then the fall season um there's just like 10 to, or no 12 10 to 12 games in each season uh we play tuesday nights um and then we we try to also practice once every weekend um we are sometimes some seasons very good at that and and some seasons like the current one really really bad um it's also hard because they our team is such a mix um we have a um a bunch of people who work in the industry and have similar schedules and stuff like that and then we have uh moms with young kids we have a, a pediatrician we have a NICU nurse we have wow. Uh, wow. a lot of different people so i think because of that um people's schedules are so it's it's not that they're off limits but when someone's like sorry i can't make it everyone's like yeah you uh you're a nurse and you keep like four week babies alive like yes you should probably miss it so uh that's wild yeah so i'd say the commitment level is kind of you know everyone tries their best to be at as many games as possible but things happen that's cool yeah are you having fun doing it yeah yeah i i love it i've definitely had to sort of again way way too competitive for my own good although weirdly enough literally only comes out when i'm playing sports um or or games uh (laughs) in general but um but so when i first joined the team was sort of at a at a weird place where it i think had originally formed with mostly comedians and people who hadn't really grown up playing basketball it was more just sort of a chance to have fun and then there were a few seasons where they lost a few members of the team and and added people who had grown up playing basketball or had played college ball and just had a certain level of of either basketball iq and um just experience with the game and so the team for a year or so was kind of being torn between sort of these two poles of like do we just want to show up and run around and get a good sweat and have fun or do we want to try really to get mm-hmm. better let's practice let's put in a real offense like mm-hmm. let's actually have plays to run let's know what we're doing on defense um so little by little the team sort of tilted more towards the latter um so there were a few seasons where we were just getting crushed oh, all the time no. um which is just a really good learning experience i think for anyone no matter how old you are um <laughs> it's true so we're now we've come out the other side of that and we're actually pretty good now and we we know what we're doing generally speaking on both ends of the floor and um but it's it's good i i I think a year and a half ago, we used to have sort of like a team ceremony after after every season um, where we would all get uh, high together and then go to Dave and Buster's. Um, <laughs> that sounds amazing. It was really, it's really fun. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, and uh, and then we'd give out sort of like team awards to people. And, and so I am both proud and not proud to say that I'm the reigning most likely to throw a punch winner. <laughs> Um, but I really feel like in the last, the last season or two, I've been like working very hard to just, you know, breathe deeply, (laughs) 
<laughs> redirect my anger instead of towards the officials and you know to a water bottle or something you know it's slow slow but steady progress <laughs> i funny. would have never imagined <laughs> you're you seem like such a like yeah. gentle soul thank yeah. you thank you i would like to think that i am most of the time i don't i don't and that's kind of the other thing that like going back to you know third grade fourth yeah. grade my mom driving me home after a game where she she just she she was almost sort of disappointed in in me sort of expending so much um, anger and just so much emotion when right. when for her she was always like this is so misplaced and at best and at worst it's just wasted because mm-hmm. um, you're feeling so much right now right. and why who cares it's a game and, yeah. and it's actually you know the older that I get I often think about that of thinking about my mom and I'm sure probably other people's perspective on sports of sort of why mm-hmm. you know why do you care so much um and I don't think it's an invalid question to be honest um so I tried to sort of interrogate myself to try to figure out why I am I'm and so many other people are so invested in it and I don't really have the answer I don't know I don't know what you guys think I mean I think it's literally the most organic reality tv there is yeah yes. um and the storylines are natural and they emerge on their own and they're so dynamic and it's I don't, I don't know it's like the most primal form of entertainment i can i can think of i mean it's battle it's war it's yeah. competition someone is a warrior someone is not on that given day and i can't get enough of it and i love it but i, I think i also I think I can go as far as understanding someone who's just like, I just, I just can't care. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to, but the names don't stick in my head. The mm-hmm. records, the numbers don't stick in my head. I just, I, I don't care. Yeah. And I, I can't identify with that, but I think I can empathize with that. I, I used to be that way. I was just like, I don't care. I don't understand why people care about this, but it, when you're saying it's like reality TV, like that really is accurate for me because I love reality TV mm-hmm. and people don't understand that either, but they are very similar in that way where it's like these, these like rivalries or these like redemption stories or these like revenge stories or whatever, it like goes on for many years. And mm-hmm. it's like, for example, like in a show that has been on for like 30 seasons or something it's like the same thing you're you're watching you're you're seeing the same thing and you're like connected and you feel like you know these people not really like they're strangers they're all strangers to me (laughs) but like seeing somebody like you know overcome something and like come back around and like and seeing them win it just it just feels like you're part of it and and it also like you get so connected to the other people that are like in the same boat with you Mm -hmm. and I, I love I love that like being part of like a group of people that cares about one thing is like very rare <laughs> outside sure. of sports. Yeah. Like, I mean, where, where else do you like me? I guess when, when it's like election time or something and people are really excited about well, I think that used to be more common yeah. because, you know, back in the day when there was only so many movies you could watch, only so many channels you could watch on TV, everyone was watching the same thing. So like, you know, in the 90s, they had like the water cooler TV shows where it's like, you're all going to get mm. together around the water cooler on Monday and talk about the shows that you just watched on Sunday or right. whatever. And like, oh, did you see Seinfeld last night? And everyone can connect on that. But that's just not the case anymore with TV. Mm-hmm. There's too much right. to watch. and Unless it's like Game of Thrones. Unless it's like, <laughs> yeah. or yeah, or like what Breaking Bad was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's really not a whole lot nowadays 
that is like that where you're uh everyone's watching the same thing at the same time so for the playoffs it's kind of amazing yeah yeah where the you're like oh my god you know i can just text a friend and say did you see that and they'll know exactly what i'm talking about mm-hmm. yeah or like when nick weiger uh tweets out wow it's like <laughs> i know what he's talking about <laughs> a big thing just happened just then mm-hmm. and here comes another wow yeah. yeah and here comes another wow in a minute <laughs> no i i totally agree with you and i i think that's a really interesting point i mean i think we're living in a particularly sort of fragmented time not just you know sort of along political lines but there there is really a lack of of i think things that used to be unifying yeah. in that way um and and i, I think sp- sports is uh, I mean, everyone needs to to worship something, and yeah. I'm I'm not a particularly I'm I'm not a religious person myself, but there's something about coming together and all feeling so incredibly invested collectively in some sort of outcome yeah. that it it does it does feel feel really unifying. Yeah, totally. Um, and maybe one of the last kind of true unifying things we have in this country right now that that can do that where you don't even necessarily have to have a conversation with someone to find common ground. You know, mm-hmm. if you show up at a sporting event and you're wearing the same color yeah. jersey they right. are, you know, it's so tribal, yeah. which, um, you know, for better or for worse is is what we are yeah i i grew up in arizona and was always a rebel which is interesting that you were a rebel but went towards sports because when i was a kid um like sports felt like the ultimate evil Mm. where it was like (laughs) oh these jock assholes in arizona are the ones ruining everything right you know and um especially because i went to a high school that was so into sports Mm, like me too yeah my high school was something out of like an 80s film where (laughs) i i moved uh from tucson to mesa arizona in high school and my first day of school there was a pep rally and there is cheerleaders doing backflips and the basketball teams like running out of a paper you know sign (laughs) Mm -hmm. and everyone in the crowds is like losing their minds and i'm like i was like a punk kid with like short bleached hair and like my labray pierced Mm -hmm. and i was like where am i right now this is not reality this is a movie so i kind of felt like like sports were evil in a lot of ways it was like you know guys getting drunk and like Mm -hmm. you know being horrible to women or whatever and i think doing this podcast and also like meeting other people who are into into sports and basketball in particular um i think basketball is like football you know can have some more problems like basketball is a little more like progressive yes um but i realized the drama of it and the like what's actually interesting about basketball and like knowing the players and knowing the backstories and all of that mm-hmm. and like everything you were talking about like that is what's actually interesting about it mm-hmm. and i'm also not a competitive person at all mm-hmm. i like my older siblings beat that out of me at a very <laughs> young age they're like you're not gonna win so don't try i'm like oh, okay man. i won't so much happens in a week of basketball, especially in playoff basketball, mm-hmm. um, that we can't possibly talk about everything on this show. But we do a segment where we kind of summarize some of the some of the big things that happened um, in a segment called "Previously on Basketball." Previously on basketball. <laughs> Katie suffers calf strain, but the Rockets fail to blast off. 
Chris Paul denies Steph Curry practice time. Ennis Cantor is fasting for Ramadan. Amidst protests, Lakers hire Frank Vogel as head coach and Jason Kidd as assistant coach. Bucks eliminate Celtics 4-1. Adam Silver calls for more gender diversity among refs and coaches. Dennis Rodman allegedly won't stop stealing from one Newport Beach yoga shop. <laughs> Did you hear about this Dennis Rodman I think shenanigans? I heard the initial the initial headline. I didn't know that this was a recurrent. He went thing. back. Wow. He went back to steal more from the same yoga shop. What, what is, is he stealing? Well, that's the thing is they they stole mostly clothes, and it's like he can't fit into those clothes. He, yeah, yeah. And then they also he's selling them on his eBay store. <laughs> 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 that I would, would be amazing. <laughs> I'd believe. I think literally anything. Yeah, Dennis Rodman. Yeah, you anything could, you could tell me, I'd be like, okay, yeah, me too. Um, but he, it, I, this is just like another bewildering thing where, who knows why? Who knows? We, yeah, we can't even speculate. We can't even speculate. <laughs> Wait, but so everyone knows that he's the one stealing, and there's been no repercussions. I don't know what the repercussions have been. Do you know, Gabe? Did you hear anything? Nope, no. Gabe didn't okay. hear anything. Right. I He's caught on video. Like, you can see oh him. God. He's, like, standing in front of a woman as this woman shoves stuff into her bag. And then, like, they tried to carry this big crystal ornamental thing out <laughs> of the shop and then dropped it. Oh, my God. That's... I don't, I, don't any, I don't even have the words. There's not much more we can say about that. <laughs> it looks like we have a couple of clips here. Should we should we just play the Steve Kerr one? Yeah, so the um the Warriors uh won boo <laughs> in the <laughs> in game 6 over the Rockets and um was this clip from game 6? Yeah. No, this clip it's is from, from game, game five. 5. Right. Yeah, this clip oh, is from yeah. game 5 yeah, yeah. uh where Steve Kerr, after the game, coach of the Warriors, he um, said the F word. Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. We call him Gordon Ramsay. he looks like him. (laughs) Um, He said the F word. And let's listen. Liverpool yesterday came out with just one of the great wins in soccer history. And after the match, uh, their manager, Jurgen Klopp, said, uh, he said, you know, the, the young kids in Liverpool are probably asleep by now so so I, i'm just gonna go ahead and say it but our our boys are fucking giants that's what he said and uh i know how he feels so i apologize to my mom who uh, is probably watching but our guys are fucking giants like that was an unbelievable victory tonight and it was great to see the uh inside the nba's response after that they like turned it off and then they were like <laughs> It's it's still pretty early on the West Coast. <laughs> the kids may not be asleep by now. Wait, so they didn't? It wasn't bleeped. It out was not bleeped in the original okay. broadcast. Yeah, I see, I Did see. he get okay. an FCC fine? No, because it was on TNT and it was pretty late at night. I think TNT does actually do like when it's basic cable and it's after a certain time. I don't think you get fined for it. Mm. Interesting. Hmm. I'm a I'm a Steve Kerr fan in general, but I I don't know I couldn't disagree with him more. Just sort of just invoking that because I I watched that Liverpool game and it was one of the most heroic comebacks mm. I think I've ever seen in that sport. And 
So he lost one of how many All-Stars and they still won their game at home, the game in which they were like massively heavily favored to win. Right. Right. I don't know if the comparison quite quite holds up. I get that he's very, very proud of his team for for pulling it out when I guess, I mean, I don't know. I just think any other team, and that's that's sort of the framework that like I always have when I think of the Warriors, any other team, because you, you can't compare. They have so much talent that when something that would be catastrophic to any other team happens, I mean, sure, yes, they rallied and pulled it out, but it's like, you know, if you look at almost any team right now that has their best player go down, usually that spells disaster in a pretty big way. And with the Warriors, it's like, I don't really think anyone thought it was going to trip them up. Um, and so when they then when they won and he he's calling them fucking giants, it's like, no, the rest of your all-stars just did their job. Like, yeah, they, they, stepped they, they stepped it up and, yeah. and, and they, they picked up the slack as they should. And, you know, they're all-stars. And when you just have such an incredible concentration of talent on a single team like that, then, you know, there's there's very little I think that's that's going to trip them up. But I'm I'm glad that he's proud of his guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's fair. Like, it's probably not, not a great comparison to that soccer game because people were really, like, really pumped up about that. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because you can tell that they, they're still kind of sticking to the same narrative for themselves, which I don't, I don't blame them for. I understand that. I understand because the wins feel sweeter, right? When you feel like you've overcome something, um, that you were coming from behind or that people were counting you out. And I just don't think that people hating on you is the same thing as people thinking that you, that you don't have a chance. I mean, I know that they've endured a lot of hate, but in the rocket series and this season overall for years, I, I, I get it. And it doesn't feel fun to, to just feel a lot of hatred coming your way but it's but it's not the same thing as being an underdog and right. since they've sort of put together this all-star nucleus they have just never been the underdog so i think yeah. that steve kerr is really good at being able to consistently tweak and alter and rewrite the narrative for the team so that they always feel this cohesiveness of you know it's us against the world this is what we're battling because what kind of coach would he be if he kind of just sat back and was like yeah you guys are just way better than everyone so right, like right. you'll figure it out which frankly he's he's taken that tact he probably knows too. his team too and i mm -hmm. think his team needs that narrative yes they're yes. they're the kind of people that tend to lose their fire if they don't have that narrative so. absolutely yeah i think that's something we've seen this season more than any time in sort of their their champion run which is that they can just really lose focus they can yeah. just they can check out and they can coast which is just another testament to just how skilled they are right. right um that that they can do that and still finish you know with a number one seed in the west and uh and it's kind of terrifying to know that you know he has to consistently be stoking that fire under their butts just to keep them like firing on all cylinders right. which is just scary because when they're firing on all cylinders they're likely unstoppable to, yes, yes yeah i think we have a clip of marcus smart on Kyrie. <laughs> that's bullshit i mean now one of us on this team knows what kyrie has been through probably a few amount of people in this world know what Kyrie goes through you know um, it was hard for him as well you know um, he was forced into a situation where uh it was business over, you know, the friendships where he had to come into a situation knowing that, you know, there's a group of guys that had something going before, you know, I come here. Uh, how will I fit in? Like, he didn't want to disrupt that, you know, and uh, that says a lot, you know, for this is Kyrie Irving we're talking about. He's talking about coming in and disrupting, you know, us. And, you know, 
we took them in with full arms and you know we tried to understand but like i said we never really understood because we're not in his shoes so uh that's just a bullshit statement to say his leadership killed us i mean you know it's, it's four other guys out there it's 12 13 other guys on the team coaches and everything so to just blame it on one guy bullshit. Yeah, so a lot of people after the Celtics lost to the Bucks were sort of blaming Kyrie. What do you think about that? Uh, I think that's an extraordinarily generous and gracious uh, statement that Marcus Mar just gave yeah. on behalf of, of Kyrie. I think it's completely undeserved um, because <laughs> I disagree with him. Uh, politely, I love Marcus Mart. By the way, I should say I I love watching him play. He's the kind of like super super gritty like bulldog gets after the ball. He's such a good on ball defender. He just like gives you everything he has every game. I love watching him play. I'm only pointing that out because I hate the Celtics <laughs> with a fiery passion, and I'm sad that he wears uh, green. But um, I, I think that that was um, a really, really impressive moment of him just being the ultimate teammate and being yeah. completely unwilling to throw anyone under the bus. I think that Kyrie's leadership or lack thereof did did doom them, I think, the entire season and I think particularly in the postseason. Uh, and I I think... Um, I don't know. I think I think he has to take the blame. Um, I mean, we were hearing things coming out of the Celtics camp all season. Yeah. You know, with all these players only meetings. And and I mean, even he says it at the end, like we tried to welcome him with open arms and ultimately we couldn't know him because we can't, you know, be in his shoes. And I think that statement should stop after. And ultimately we couldn't know him because Kyrie didn't allow himself right. to mm -hmm. really become a part of the team. I yeah. think he always managed to keep himself like a step above them. And even though he spend most of the season preaching um uh you know spreading the ball and yeah. you know that i think he i forget where in the season it was but he had that one quote where he said something like look at any point in time i can just like score at will no one can stop me i can take over the game but i choose not to because this is a team game and i i was just stunned by that because first of all this season bore out the truth which is that that's not true mm -hmm. um or at least the, or the, when they ran into the bucks it yeah. certainly wasn't true but it's also like you you can't really have your cake and eat it too and you, you can't make a statement like that and and then claim to be a great teammate because what he's essentially saying is like i'm good enough to win whenever i want right. i'm choosing to allow my teammates to mm -hmm. be a part of this game but then when they lose he's already set it up so that the blame can only be with them, them yeah never with him and right. that is the antithesis of being a good leader yeah so. i think he um you know i i think marcus Smart is great also and also we were talking earlier about you know hot players <laughs> and he's a, he's cutie, a cutie yeah he's super cute he's on the cutie list and he's like he's a very aggressive guy which is great um he's, he's a great there's like a there's a number a small handful of players that whenever i see them play i'm always like i would give anything for that guy to be on my team or like the team that i root for and marcus yeah. smart is definitely marcus smart patrick beverly mm. i think i'm even gonna say draymond like i love to hate dre on you the warriors love, but if he were on my team he mm. would probably be my favorite player you love tough guys yeah <laughs> yeah you, like you the love shit the, the bulldog yeah the shit talkers but but they but they 
back it up with with just like pure fucking heart well yeah. that's like, what i was gonna say yeah. it's, it tends to be the heart of the team yeah exactly right. you know they they are the spark plug for mm-hmm. sure because they're bringing i mean all all these coaches love to talk about you know intangibles and the things that don't show up um on the stat uh score at the end but but marcus smart i feel like is he can alter a game so much just with deflections and with getting in passing lanes and steals and he wins 50 50 balls and i just if i were a coach that that i would want it like just a team of, yeah. of those guys yeah. yeah today we watched the portland trailblazers at the denver nuggets in game seven of the western conference semifinals on may 12th 2019 let's meet the boys let's meet the boys well, great group of guys Okay, um, the Trailblazers. Dame is different. <laughs> that he is. <laughs> um, we've got Al Farouk Aminu, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Maurice Harkless, Ennis Cantor, and on the bench we've got Seth Curry, Rodney Hood, and Zach Collins. Head coach, Terry Stotts. On the Nuggets, we have... We have starters, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Tori Craig, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic. On the bench, uh, off the bench, we had uh, Will Barton, Mason Plumley, and Malik Beasley, and head coach is Mike Malone. Um, so you were kind of rooting for the Nuggets, yeah, yeah. I was, I was definitely rooting for the Nuggets, even though I, I really, really enjoy both teams. I, I didn't have much. Uh, it, there wasn't much at stake for me personally as a fan. They're both great teams. I feel like they both earned the right yeah, uh, to play yeah. in the conference finals. I was definitely pulling pulling for the Nuggets. I have a close friend who is a very, very big Nuggets fan, so I wanted her to have have that win. Fan um, favorite, uh, Dunktown listener favorite, Ariana Lenarski. Yes. Big Nughead, I'll call her. <laughs> Real big Nughead. <laughs> Biggest one I know. <laughs> um, okay, let's get into the game. So uh, this game was game seven, first of all. Mm-hmm. This is a big day. Today's a big day. Two Huge, game sevens yeah. today. And Huge. Mother's Day. And yes. Mother's Day. I mean, what more could a mother ask for than two <laughs> game sevens? Um, we are currently not watching the Sixers and Raptors. Uh, Probably watch the end of it. Yeah. So, so you listeners in the future will know what happened there. But... Um, but th- I, this is just like such an even match. Both teams are like, like you said, deserving, likable. Um, they're both from towns that have legal marijuana use and have <laughs> names that are marijuana related. Right. <laughs> and and they both like clearly want it. They're like putting their all into all these games. It's been a very fun series to watch, especially that game that went into quadruple overtime. Yes. Yeah. That was that my blood pressure was off the charts. <laughs> I could not watch that game. Oh, it's been a, it's been a great series. Yeah, it's been a really great series. So I'm just gonna say at the top, I didn't know who was gonna win this because it was like so evenly matched. But I kind of was like, I think the Nuggets might win. Mm-hmm. It's a home game for them. Mm-hmm. They were the second seed, even though that didn't really matter over the entire series. Um, and I just thought. I think maybe it's leaning in their direction. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I felt the same way for sure. And going into this, they, they, uh, they had the momentum. They had the, yeah. 
game seven at home, which like as a franchise, you you can't ask for more. And right. they, they really don't lose at home mm-hmm. much yeah. at all this season. Yeah. And the first quarter was like their game. Mm-hmm. The, they were up like right out the gate, right yeah. out the gate. And they stayed uh, on top the entire first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, the announcer, I so I think it was Jeff Van Gundy that said, um, they asked Mike Malone uh, how he was feeling before the game. And he said, Mike Malone said, I slept like a baby. I woke up every two hours and cried. <laughs> <laughs> the cutest statement you cute. could possibly say. It's pretty cute. He's ready. Yeah. <laughs> well, or was he? <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. They did not win. <laughs> Everyone knows. That yeah, everyone now. knows that already. Yeah. Um, but so in the first quarter, we also had Seth Curry and um, Jamal Murray had a bit of a scuffle. So this is a continuation of another scuffle from a different game. From the game six, yeah. I believe. The Jamal Murray wasn't exactly involved with that. That was more Barton Curry, but still kind of same. Tensions are high. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because it seemed to sort of lack... Um, I don't know. I feel like both of these teams were just so invested in the series that mm-hmm. it's not that they were manufacturing, you know, skirmishes or rivalries or anything like that, but it did feel like a little bit toothless to me. Yes. Like it felt like two teams of like pretty nice guys who just really wanted to win. And sometimes their tempers would flare in like a pretty gentle way, honestly. Like I feel like there, there are other rivalries, particularly in the, uh, in the West Western conference that I feel like feel real oh, like right. when players sure. get in each other's chests. You're sort of like, okay, we need four, four large men in between these mm. people right now. And, and with particularly with Murray and, mm. and Seth Curry today, it was sort of like, Oh, they're cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're just like little guys who are, who kind of were just like, come on, man. You yeah. know, like yeah. their demeanor wasn't like, we're actually going to fight. It was more like I'm amped to the highest energy level I can possibly be. And yeah. I'm just directing this in your direction. Right For now. sure. Yeah. And I think with Jamal Murray in particular, I think he really wants to be like the man for the Denver Nuggets. He wants to be, uh, which I mean, I don't think he'll ever necessarily be able to surpass Jokic in, in that respect, but he, I think he wa- he wants respect. Yeah. Um, and so his his gameplay this season has been just inconsistent enough that I feel like everyone regards him as like, yeah, m- maybe. Like, maybe you'll you'll get there. Um, and so I think sometimes it kind of, like, comes out of him in weird ways of, like, like, no, I am one of the best and you will respect me. And I think sometimes he tries to kind of throw his weight around on the court and it, it's just... I don't think he has enough weight to no. throw around yet. He really doesn't. Um, yeah. uh, question, though. Should Curry and Murray become a comedy duo? They've got a good name for it. I don't know. Just Take putting that the out road. there. <laughs> so at the end of the first quarter, it's 17-29. The Nuggets are just, you know, consistently 10 points or more ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, in the second quarter, we find we discover, the announcers kind of point out, that Dame hasn't scored halfway into the second quarter. Yeah. He has not scored a single point. Yeah. And this is it's not crazy. Yeah. yeah. Pulling a Steph Curry. Yeah. Last night. It's like where where's where's the Dame time clock? The <laughs> clock has not started. It hasn't started. And he's 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 out there. He's just not taking shots. He's passing the ball. He's being a good teammate, but he's also just like not feeling confident, I'm assuming. I don't know. Or maybe just conserving his energy. Yeah, it's really strange because Dame is definitely of like 
that breed of players and shooters where, you know, they always say like shooters going to shoot and like he, I don't think he lacks for, for confidence. I mean, he's not, he's not showy. He's not cocky, but yeah. he knows how good he is. Yeah. And so even if he felt early in the game that his shot just wasn't falling, mm-hmm. like if he just felt like he didn't have the touch early on, he still is the heart and soul of that team. Yeah. He still is objectively speaking, the best player on that team. And like, it was just strange. He really yeah. just stopped looking for his own shot. Even when he was like penetrating, he was, you could tell it was passed first every time. Mm-hmm. Like he was looking for the pass before he was looking for his own shot. So I don't really know what was going on yeah. with him. Maybe he was just trying to like find his way into the flow of the game. Yeah. yeah. And, and but conversely, we've got CJ McCollum who is making hot. a ton of shots. Yeah. yeah. He's on fire. He's blazing it up. He's <laughs> <laughs> he in the second quarter, there was this amazing move where he sort of zigzags in between Jokic and another defender like a split second before they can get you know in front of him Mm -hmm. and um goes in for a layup but he was like a little mouse running between you know huge uh, cheese (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say grass blades but you know chunks of cheese too that's appropriate um he we we were joking around that like who's gonna step up in this team, but CJ was stepping up. He really did. And he, he was from the onset too. Yeah. He, cause that, what you just pointed out, he had like a solid, I want to say four or five plays where he really split the defense and drove down the lane hard. Yeah. Like he, every time he got the ball, there was such an intention of either I'm, I'm going to score or he was going to at least get his team like a really good shot. And he yeah. did. And it was, I, I think ultimately Denver's downfall was not making the necessary adjustments to 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 cover him. Because, yeah, I mean, I think they were afraid that if they started throwing double teams at CJ, that that was going to you know open up the floor more for Dame. But but they they stuck to their guns the entire game, and in that fourth quarter in particular, I feel like CJ just kept getting to his spot on the elbow again and again and again, and he just kept knocking the shots down. And I think that was ultimately the the difference in the whole game. And it's really surprising to me that Mike Malone did not throw any different. Right. scheme at him defensively. Like, go for the guy who's hot. Yeah, yeah. Which Make is someone else beat you. dating strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't date. Um, <laughs> but you're right. He kept going for the same exact spot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know he's going to go there. Mm-hmm. Like, put someone else put there. Put someone there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we also heard about, uh, there's been the last game as well, game six and seven, uh, has been during Ramadan and Ennis Cantor is fasting from sunup to sundown. And so they've talked a lot about his strategy in that because that means he cannot ingest anything from his medicine for his shoulder, his water or food. Insane. He Absolutely drink, crazy. Yeah. He can't drink water. Yeah. So you can imagine what he's feeling when he's out there. The game six was was uh interesting because halftime happened after sundown so during halftime he they had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches waiting at the locker room for him to scarf down oh which is why so the, sweet why why peanut butter and jelly i'm curious i think it's just like a, a calorie, staple calories, yeah sugar. protein carbs carbs yeah yeah, mm. yeah um but also peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that we a very nice listener sent us this great history of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the league and i think it's just like they have that in the arena all the time Mm -hmm. they're now like a a tradition or whatever yeah i think it's just their go-to pre-game post-game yeah yeah but so the um the announcer said that 
at sunup this morning, they were like listing off everything that Ennis Cantor ate. It was pasta, salad, peanut butter bar, uh, protein bar. And there was other stuff too that I couldn't write fast enough. He had like a massive meal I mean, before sunup. Yeah. And gotta, then, yeah. He's got it. Yeah. He's got to get all that inside of him so that it takes all day to, to digest and he can hopefully have some energy by the nighttime. Well, yeah. it's crazy to me because he's he's a huge guy so he already needs a ton of calories right. then you know he consistently keeps his body sort of you know moving at the, at the pace of playing in the nba playoffs yeah. so already you need so much fuel and then in a game seven it's i'm i'm just incredibly impressed by him like the, the yeah. mental fortitude that it takes to just kind of steal yourself yeah for for the battle of a game seven and be willing to just kind of uh well, well, will it in himself, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, you don't have anything phys- physiologically that's going to be giving you that burst of energy exactly. or, or even to sustain you. Um, so it, it's just comes down to will. And I, I think that's really impressive. Yeah. I really admire Cantor and in, yeah. in, in general. Yeah. He did, he did a great job. I mean, even without food and water, like he was defending hard. Yeah. And, he was solid. Yeah. yeah. They sat him for a big chunk and I'm like, I think that was in the third quarter. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I get that. Like he probably needs to rest more than yeah (laughs) yeah so at the end of the second quarter portland closes the gap a little bit uh they end at 39 48 um so it's a nine point game yeah Mm -hmm. it's that's uh you know i think it's the first time since the um start of the first quarter that it's a single digit yeah i think you're right yeah um in the third quarter uh, you know halftime show we don't know we don't get to watch we don't get to watch it but that being said there were so many great stills of rocky the mascot of the nuggets like dunking and just i don't know doing fun stuff that he does wish i could have seen it (laughs) um at the beginning of the third quarter cj does a big dunk nice (laughs) (laughs) like he he's just like carrying the team yeah uh for the first half and then and then he does this big dunk i think it that put like a little bit of fire mm-hmm. in the blazers we also had a big dunk from harkless in the third quarter yes yeah who, i think they, by the way total fucking cutie pie we uh, all were talking about this very very cute i, yeah. I think he has those double dimples when he <sighs> smiles cute <laughs> dimple his yeah. facial hair is like perfectly groomed yeah it's great like, cheekbones beautiful it, face. Hi, his facial hair like highlights his cheekbones mm-hmm. great decision yeah. on whoever shaved that yes yeah um yeah very, very handsome tip. man yeah <laughs> extra very, tip very for the man. uh whoever barber. shaved yes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Harkless, tip your barber extra because <laughs> yeah. you're looking good. <laughs> and say it's from us. <laughs> so unfortunately, Rodney Hood was injured. He he was backing up, didn't know there was a screen behind him, which I think was Paul Millsap. Mm-hmm. He backs up into Millsap and it kind of looks like there's no contact there, but maybe Millsap's knee went into Harkless's like knee slash thigh i think that's what happened i think he hit sort of the back of his knee and because hood hood's momentum was carrying him backwards that when the force of Millsap's knee hit the back of his knee it like hyper extended it yeah um he looked like he was in a lot of pain yeah he was like rolling around on the ground yeah yeah he was not able to walk back to the locker room on his own he had to be sort of you know propped up by two fellas and 
I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay too because they're gonna need. They're him. gonna need. They're him. gonna need yeah. that depth, and they're gonna need sort of that the scoring punch that he gives them coming off the bench. And also, I just like he's he'd had it was like a really nice sort of like happy ending to his story of mm. being sort of shuffled around. And I think he was Utah, and then Utah sort of dumps him over to Cleveland, and everyone thought, okay, he's gonna like completely reinvigorate his career there. And then he just couldn't get it going, mm. and he's demoted, and he's at the end of the bench. And I feel like the last this past series in particular with Portland, yes. like he has not just rediscovered his his shot, but confidence. Like yeah. he's shooting the ball with confidence. He's having fun. Mm-hmm. He's playing with emotion. Like it was it was really great to see him when he hit that shot that that effectively won it for them in, in yeah, the fourth the, overtime. That yeah, I mean, that I think great. that gave him so much confidence. He to, was key in yeah. that quadruple overtime. He really was. Yeah, he scored what seven nine of their yeah. points. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it helped that Terry Stotts was the first coach to to finally. Link and to put in fresh legs. Yeah. I feel like until that point, both coaches were like, we're going to do it with our starters. And they just like absolutely refused to put in. But that, that was the difference maker. Yeah. He mm-hmm. put in fresh legs in, in, um, what, who were we talking about? Sorry, blanking on his name. Oh, uh, Rodney uh, Hood. 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 Sorry. He puts in Hood <laughs> and Hood just, just goes off. Yeah. Cause he, he had the fresh legs. That happens to me all the time, by the way. I'll, <laughs> I'll start a sentence talking about one person, then I'll say a different name. It was freaking me out because I was like, I can see his face. I know exactly <laughs> who we're talking about. What is his name? And you're like, Jeremy Cat. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've got, I mean, the third quarter was kind of bananas. They're like Murray dunks. Um, you know, we have like Jokic, you know, kind of doing amazing defense. At one point, he's shooting some free throws. The crowd's chanting MVP. <laughs> um, he gets to 69 points. Mr. So 69. He's Mr. 69 of the game. We always, whenever uh, a team gets 69 points exactly, uh-huh. whoever scored those points becomes Mr. 69. All right. Yeah. This was um, a listener whose name I'm forgetting, but we'll mention him later. <laughs> <laughs> so the Blazers take the lead for a second Right before the end of the third quarter, but then the quarter ends 71-72. The Nuggets are up by one. So this... But things have started to really ramp up here yeah. by mm-hmm. the end of the third quarter. I'm pretty sure that Adrian was standing <laughs> for the entire fourth quarter. <laughs> I think I did. I think I did. You, I, could, you tried to sit down for during commercials, <laughs> but you could not... <laughs> I usually end up watching any game that's particularly close, especially in the playoffs. I I will. It's almost like I go into a fugue state, and when I come out of it, I realize I'm standing like eight inches from <laughs> from the TV screen. Um, not even that getting closer gives you like a better vantage point at all. I don't no. think that's how it works. But uh, I mean, I was the, feeling the pressure. Yeah, the intensity it. draws you in. It yeah. makes sense. Um, yeah, and you're you were cheering for the Nugs. I was cheering for the Blazers. Just like I was opposite, just cheering for everyone to have a opposite good time. emotions. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. I wanted. I really didn't want anyone to lose. Uh, but it's this uh, again. It's it would it would have been sad either way. Like I feel bad for. the I feel bad nuggets. for both teams. Like yeah. they, like you said, they both are just so deserving of this win. They they are, but I I have to say that I I feel like the Nuggets kind of gave it away there at the end. You know, yeah. I mean. T- absolutely credit to Portland for just never wilting like they never even when they're down 17 in the first half they never kind of just conceded at all but 
I didn't really think that they, you know, put it all together and suddenly started playing amazing basketball and came back. I think the Nuggets had these like weird, like just periods of lethargy where they just kind of like really took their foot off the gas. In fact, I think they, one of the places where they kind of lost the game a bit, I think was in the first half. They were cruising, they were up double digits. And that is a, a point where I feel like a team... And I think this is where experience really shows, right? Because yeah. they're a young team. They're in, they, they don't really have that playoff experience. And that is a moment where I feel like if you have a team with, you know, a, a Kobe or, or a KD or Steph Curry or anyone else, that's when you just absolutely have to, like, like put your foot on their throats yeah. in that moment. You're up. You have to do everything you can to pull away and try to put the game. And they just let them hang around. There were turnovers. They were missing some easy shots. They just kind of seemed to be like, you know, oh, we're up 12. Oh, we're up 15. We're good. And so it, it was kind of a strange game in that respect because yeah. I don't really feel like Portland just suddenly started no. playing the best basketball of their lives or anything. It's that Denver always kept the door open. They let them hang around. Then in the fourth quarter, they just, I don't know, they, you know, Portland hit the shots they had to hit, or at least CJ hit the shots he had yeah. to hit. And, and Denver just every, no one wanted to be the man for Denver. I mean, Jokic tried, but they double teamed him so hard yeah, in the they fourth were on quarter. Him. They just clogged the whole paint. They they made the decision, interestingly enough, that I think uh, Denver did not make with CJ, right? right? With CJ, they never made that decision to say, okay, we're going to make someone else on this team beat us. But with Portland, that's what they did with Jokic. They, in that fourth quarter, they're like, we're going to make someone else on this team but Jokic beat us and nice. we'll live with the results. And no one stepped up. Murray, no. Murray did disappeared in the fourth quarter Gary Harris wasn't there like when they needed a basket Jokic that was just blanketed he couldn't do anything and and I think I think that was it so it feels almost kind of anticlimactic because it's been such a close series and both teams have played so well mm -hmm. and then in this game it almost felt like which you know yeah both teams wanted it but um neither team sort of like went out there and took right. the game it was that like denver just like didn't hold on to it that tightly and they just let it go i do have to say portland's consistency has been key for this series for sure with that quadruple overtime like for all of their wins really it's like they're not backing down at all yeah. they they may you know this game they weren't really like going bananas they weren't like super far ahead but they also weren't backing down absolutely they they refused to go away and they, they and they they wouldn't beat they beat themselves you know even right. when they were missing shots they still were you know putting their heads down and playing tough defense they weren't giving it away um they were they were still playing hard right. yeah they 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 never gave, gave it up and and i this is a really deep team with a lot of experience and you know even if evan turner doesn't have necessarily like the explosiveness or something to match up against a key player on another team he has experience he's right. a veteran and and you're exactly right i think they all just sort of collectively you know were like we're 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 there's no way we're just gonna let yeah. go of this so evan turner was yeah also wearing great shoes <laughs> um the end of the fourth quarter is very very like exciting like we can't tell who's gonna pull ahead you know there's like there's a, a uh Jokic misses a very important free throw Oof. that maybe just sealed the fate of the entire game at some point it yeah was a real big one yeah so the in the fourth quarter the blazers were ahead by I, I think the most they were ahead was like nine. Yeah, I think that seven, right? seven, seven to nine. I think they never pushed it beyond that. And then at the end of the fourth quarter, they got so close. You know, the, the Nuggets got so close to taking back the lead. And then Jokic 
didn't hit that free throw and then he looks so sad he looks so yeah. sad his face broke my heart <laughs> well it's a huge free throw because if he makes both it's it's a one possession game which just like completely changes the way you approach the rest of the game from both an offensive and a defensive standpoint so as soon as he missed that and it stayed a four point right lead like having it be a two possession game just changes absolutely everything. yeah and it was, it was just too much not much time left yeah um before that there was a really exciting moment where Damien steals the ball. He go he like fast breaks to the basket. Jokic is there mm -hmm. and he goes up as if he's going to do a layup but then decides to pass it back to Turner who's at the uh three point, you know, arch. <laughs> uh then uh Dame runs to the corner. Turner sends it back to Dame. Dame hits a three-point shot. Like, that was, like, such an exciting play. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It was so beautiful to watch. Yeah. Um, this was not Damien's game at no. all, but mm -hmm. he had a couple of really important three-point oh, shots. Oh, huge. Yeah. That three was huge. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of a backbreaker. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Um, he was three for seven. I don't know if this is the whole game, but towards the end of the fourth quarter, he was three for 17. <sighs> Oof. That's rough. Whew, that is rough. That's yeah. not where you want to be yeah. in game seven. But shooter's going to yeah. shoot. <laughs> yeah. And so, him him diving to that corner for that was like such a, I mean, it's not that Steph Curry, you know, like owns that move necessarily, but I feel like he and the Warriors in general are amazing at when a play breaks down, Steph can always just like, he, he just sort of like melts into a corner and the ball finds him immediately because Every person on that team knows that that's where he's going. Right. And they hit. They hit him like in stride. That's exactly what Turner did. Yeah. yeah. Like I think when when Dame was in midair and like lofted it back to him, I think they are like at that moment it was I'm gonna go get free. You're gonna hit me with it right back. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. mind meld. It's just uh, I love watching that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I agree. So, so the game and sorry the game ends 100 to 96. Blazers win. Oof. Congratulations to the Blazy Boys. Go Blazers. I'm now officially for the next week, yeah. week and a half, two weeks, <laughs> the, the biggest Blazers fan in Los Angeles. <laughs> the, I mean, they've got a hard path ahead of them. They're, uh, you know, yes. they're going up against the Warriors, which means that I think nobody's expecting them to make it through. Um, and if they can, that would be unbelievable. Like, it would be amazing and I want to see them do it and I and I will be rooting for them. But, you know, no matter who pulled out of this game, it was going to be an, a really hard journey for them. Yeah. And they're gr great storylines. Curry brother versus Curry oh, brother. Yes. I do That's like that. So cool. Dame versus Steph. Yeah. yeah. Who knows when KD comes back. Right. Um, and, and I think I think Portland both the franchise and their fans deserve it. It's been, what, 20 years? Yeah, yeah, yeah they mentioned a, a time span. I think they said 20 years since they've been in the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's so exciting. I'm I'm excited for Portland. We we just need Damien to, like, you know, get back into his, he, into his he will. groove. And, yeah. I, and I feel like he will. I do believe in him. Yeah, I think he will. I mean, this is... This is sort of the culmination of, of his career, at least up to this point. This is what I think he's been fighting for for his whole career. And and they, you know, they, they've been an underdog the entire postseason. Mm -hmm. they, right. Ever, I, not everyone, but most people picked OKC um, yeah. to be the upset. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of rolled over. Uh, well, I mean, it was a good series, but yeah. they, they handily took care of them. And and then they were the underdogs, or underdogs playing the Nuggets and won. And they're going to be massive underdogs. But I think... I mean, 
being in the mindset of having spent now a full, what, close to a month, basically, where you're, everyone is constantly, like, betting on you to lose, assuming that you're going to lose. Yeah. I think that does something for a team. I think so, too. Totally. Yeah. All right, let's give out some donkeys. Donkeys! So the donkeys are awards that we give out for arbitrary categories that we make up on the spot. <laughs> um, let's give out our first donkey, which is always for most points. Congratulations to the Trailblazers. Well um, done. Well done. Well done, Blazers. <laughs> uh, we also give out one for best dunk. Ooh. Any contenders for that one? Mm. CJ might might take it for that yeah. straight, yeah. straight down the lane. That, yeah. was a, that was a great one. And yeah. he's not a big boy. I mean, he's a big boy compared to me, but <laughs> not compared to Jokic or someone else uh, in the NBA. No, he threw that down with intention too. Yeah. That, that's the one you're talking where he split the defense. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. We got to give it to that. That was definitely the most memorable dunk. Um, how about best shoes? Ooh. Ooh. I personally am a fan of like the solid like block yellow mm. colorway. So I liked Jokic's shoes. I know you're not a fan of the yellow. That's true. I he, don't like it. His shoes were cool too because I, I again you know, hey, uh, broadcasters, when you're showing an NBA game, please just do a couple shoe close-ups for us. We'd appreciate it. <laughs> it would be nice to see shoes what they're and in. butts. <laughs> shoes and butts. Um, so I can't, I don't know what shoes they were, but they had like a white toe and like the yellow was sort of like over the top of it. And it just was, it looked great with, with his outfit. Looked great with <laughs> the blue. <laughs> <laughs> really um, matched his outfit. Yeah. What about, uh, who was wearing the purple shoes? I think that was Tori Craig. Tori Craig, that's right. I was into those. These purple Nikes. It's right, right up my alley. Yeah, there was also, um, there was lots of red shoes on the Blazers. Mm. There was also um, one nugget shoe that was like rainbowy uh but more white than anything else Ooh, i missed that one I, d I don't know who it was i just mm. saw the shoe not the person mm. <laughs> uh so i don't know this is tough two very stylish teams yeah i don't know who we're gonna give it to mm. i wrote the this this rainbow rainbow white sparkly we, I, we don't I, know who i think short. the nuggets might yeah might be a good uh um, what about best facial hair? It's got to go for Harkless. Might be Mo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. got to be. Got to be, be. I mean, I'm trying to think of, is there is there anyone like on the bench perhaps that was rocking some improv? I can't think of anyone. I can't think of I don't anyone. think so. You know, I didn't see Nurkic on the bench. Was he there? I didn't notice I him. I feel like he had to be, but I didn't see him either. He will never get best facial hair because it's too untamed. I don't like it's it. It's rough. Yeah, it's like, like it. half mutton chops, <laughs> half, I don't even know what. I mean, it is right up my alley <laughs> facial hair wise. I like uh -huh. a real mountain man uh -huh. face wise, but is I think. It, it is playoff beard season, right? It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where people mm -hmm. kind of do let their beards just go wild. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. But I still think Harkless, I mean, he just like shows off his cheekbones so nicely. Yeah. Really accentuates the, the cheekbone. Beautiful, line. beautiful yeah. man. Is there any awards that you'd like to give out? Um, I will go ahead and give a donkey, mm -hmm. a donkey to um, the Denver mascot because I had never heard <laughs> or seen any evidence of his terrifying 
terrifying descent from the raptors <laughs> um, until you guys showed me. And the fact that he came back from that, both physically and just in terms of uh, his spirit, you know, mm, he seemed yeah. to have really regained his full spirit. He was there. He was cheering. Uh, I, I give him a, a, a donkey, a, come, a comeback. I come come back donkey. Sure. I think that's great. That's great. Um, and, and just interesting fact, both the Blazers and the Nuggets have a wild cat for a, like some kind of cat for a mascot. <laughs> uh, these teams were so evenly matched. They really were. Um, but yeah, let's give it to Rocky. Um, we're so glad you're safe and you're not, you know, doing any more aerial, uh, <laughs> tricks that make you pass out <laughs> gabe you have one? Oh yeah thanks hi guys it's it's me producer gabe hi <laughs> um i have to give credit to my lovely wife andrea for saying this first andrea who did the Dunktown artwork love andrea um but i want to give best ray donovan lookalike to the nuggets coach mike malone oh nice uh, that's yeah. a good one yeah you look like ray donovan mike <laughs> that's it all right. all right i feel like he would take that happily mm. like he yeah probably yeah yeah, yeah. i not, mean it's not an insult definitely not no no he he looks tough he looks like a tough guy uh but he's so sweet to his players <laughs> i think it's that popovich tree i think he just he he churns out those guys who look like they should just be sort of like nasty sons of bitches but instead <laughs> they're just marshmallow sweethearts yeah Okay, so as it is right now, it's tied. The Trailblazers have three, and the Nuggets have three. And honestly, that is so appropriate. That, that is two teams. <laughs> that's about. That sounds about right. So I think I'm just gonna call it a tie. You right. both uh, win the donkeys. Congrats. Okay. Donkey tie. So congratulations to the Trailblazers for winning the game, and and to both teams for winning the donkeys. Yeah. That's where it really matters. I really hope this provides some solace for, for the Denver Nuggets fans. <laughs> I hope so, too. I, I think it will. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're not sure what our next game is going to be yet because there's no schedule yet. <laughs> um, but, you know, we'll pick a playoff game. We'll let you know. Check our Twitter. Uh, Dunktown Podcast will announce it there. If we remember. Did you, you guys post it? Yeah, yeah, I posted it like... 15 minutes before tip off <laughs> great i mean that's better than nothing <laughs> yeah that's true um let's get into our mail basket watch out there's a lot of mail to be delivered this afternoon so our email today is from a, a young lady named sophia she says i just wanted to th say thank you so much for this podcast i've been a basketball fan for a few years and an avid consumer of nba twitter and podcasts since this league is insane as hell and just so damn entertaining but this is the first podcast i found led by women and as a woman fan nba fan all i can say is fucking finally since male nba fans and the media on the internet can be such monumental assholes also you are the first ones i've heard bringing the real issues to light such as what players are hot or not the real reason i got into basketball not a joke a group of friends was watching the 2015 playoffs and i caught a glimpse of kevin love on the tv and was like he's hot maybe i should start watching <laughs> <laughs> and now i'm an actual fan of the sport and my contribution to the is clay thompson hot or not debate is that he's both hot and not hot but he's <laughs> only, he's only hot if he has a beard that's um, true yeah he needs to keep that beard um Kemba Walker is my favorite player, so I finally felt seen when you guys mentioned him in that conversation. Thank you for your service in that. Sophia, thank you so much for writing in. What a sweet email. What a nice yeah. email to send. Oh my gosh. And to receive. I know. Do we, you, <laughs> as, as a uh, female fan, have you ever like come up against any male 
uh, I guess, toxic masculinity uh, <laughs> in the NBA context? Um, yeah, a, a little bit. I mean, I'll, I'll say that, like, by and large, most NBA fans, I think, are really sweet people. That's I kind don't, of our experience yeah, as well. Yeah. I don't know quite what it is. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a bigger split say perhaps in like fans of golf or you know nascar or something like that but i but i feel like even even between like football and and uh basketball or baseball and basketball nba fans in general just tend to be it's it's like what you're talking about earlier i think all nba fans when they there's such a kinship when they when they meet another one mm-hmm. um i've definitely I think what I've encountered the most is kind of like the capital N, capital G, nice guy form of toxic masculinity Mm. where they like to uh, act very impressed or really pay a compliment as to, oh my gosh, you know, wow, you you know so much and uh, about the sport. And and it's always a bit difficult for for me because they're trying to say a nice thing. Mm. Um, It just, it always feels so incredibly condescending to be like, wow, I'm uh, just shocked that, you know, you can even participate in yeah, sort of right. the, you know, and, and kind of like, good for you, champ. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like this constant surprise that a woman could be, or would even want to be fluent in that kind of, you know, male dominated language of talking about basketball. Um, which is funny because I find of all of the major sports, basketball is, it's, it's not necessarily that it's a feminine sport, but it is such a combination of things that are not just brute force oh yeah um there's like elegance and or uh, uh, that's not the word i meant like grace where you're absolutely you have to be sort of like graceful as you like navigate around people for sure like the very best players in the history of the sport are those that were able to sort of harness sort of the 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 brute physical talents that they had be it just strength or just speed and turn it into kind of like a poetic um finesse you know it's it's you have to add agility to to that kind of speed or or strength to produce something that is you know as otherworldly as lebron james the body of an nfl you know tight end (laughs) who then can spin around three defenders and you know Mm -hmm. lay it lay it off the glass with his off hand and and there's something about the sport that i think it, it, it makes sense to me that women would appreciate the sport, would appreciate the movement of it and the culture of it. And so it's always, it always kind of takes me aback when, when men, it's usually like, you know, a Lyft driver or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just trying to make conversation. I'll ask them if they're yeah. a Lakers fan or a Clippers fan or something like that. And, um, but yeah, I, outside of that, outside of just kind of that, like, Oh, huh, look at you. Yeah. Like, mm. But, uh, That's I guess good. There are worse yeah. things. I yeah. Guess. <laughs> Sophia, thank you so much for sending this beautiful letter. This is this is exactly we I, I think I um, mentioned this in my reply to you, but you're exactly the kind of listener that we had in mind when we created the show. And we love uh, hearing from you. If you guys want to write us a message, you can email us at hi at dunk.town. Um, Adrian, thank you so much for being here. What a joy it was. Well, of course. Thank you guys so much for having me. This of was course. really fun. Of course. Is, is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, man, I wish, but no, I don't, I don't really have anything at the moment. I'm kind of alone in a room working on a, on a rewrite of a screenplay. So I I have really nothing. Well, well, everyone can just send you good vibes then. All right. I'll take it. As you, as you write on alone in a room. That would be great. I'll take all of them. Um, 
make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our accounts are Dunktown Podcast. Check out our website, dunk.town. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Thank you to Andrew Clotworthy for our song. Thank you to Andrew Tomingas for our artwork. Thanks to our listeners for being the best and the cutest. We love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.